It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. You're listening to Hashtag No Filter on Revolver. Helena Deabala, and she is the author of the book that just came out in early July, and she is the author of the book Craigslist Confessional. If you haven't heard of Craigslist Confessional, it's a collection of secrets from anonymous strangers. About six years ago, Helena put an ad on Craigslist, basically asking people if they would like to share a story of theirs or to talk about any, anything they want to talk about anonymously with Helena. She's not a therapist. She's not a social worker. That's not why she started to do this. She did it, as she'll explain in the interview. She did it because she want, She was a lawyer and a lobbyist in D.C. She wanted to do something more meaningful, and this is how it began. And now, six years later, her book is out with Simon & Schuster, and it's full of 40 of the stories that she has heard, 40 of the conversations that she had with 40 of the over 300 people that she's talked to so far. It's a really cool, just, it's a cool concept. The whole idea is really neat, and I found it really interesting. And I loved my conversation with Helena and I'm so excited for you to hear it. So we're going to get right into it. Before that, though, I did want to remind you, if you are not subscribed to Patreon, definitely check that out because you'll get episodes early, ad-free, exclusive bonus clips, and lots more. Uh, so definitely check out patreon.com slash Julie Lauren. If you're not subscribed to Hashtag No Filter, be sure to do so. And uh, let's get into it. Here is Helena Diabala on episode 92 of Hashtag No Filter. Welcome to the podcast, Helena. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Julie. I'm good. I'm so excited to have you. So a lot of questions I want to ask you, a lot of stuff we're going to get into. But before we start with all those fun, all the juicy stuff, give everyone a little background about who you are for those who don't know uh, what you do uh, about your book, all of that, a little synopsis of your life, if you will. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Helena Deabala, and I my book Craigslist Confessional was recently published on July seventh, and Craigslist Confessional is a collection of forty secrets from anonymous strangers gathered through a Craigslist ad. Um, so for those of you who might not know what Craigslist is, it's basically like. Um, uh, an online community where you go and you can find personals or services, or you can find used couches if you're moving or something. Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool little community. Well, not little at all, but community where you can place ads and kind of meet other people or, or get services or anything else you might need. So mm -hmm. I posted an ad on Craigslist in 2014 offering to listen to stories that people did not feel they could share with anyone else in their lives. And I offered to do it anonymously and for free and for as long as they needed. And I didn't think that much was going to come of it, but um, I got like a billion responses <laughs> yep. after that initial post. And I started meeting with people in person and listening to their stories. And I was working as a lawyer and lobbyist in DC at that point. I had just graduated from law school, 
I'm so proud of myself. Yes, very big accomplishment. Yeah, and then I'd gotten um, this great job at a lobbying shop, and we had this swanky office, and I mean, things were on paper amazing, in reality, not so good. And I was really, really sad and kind of stuck in my own thoughts and my feelings and my world. And um, I wanted a way out. I wanted to do something that was more meaningful than shuffling paper around and gave me that good feeling, you know, that we all seek to be able to help and, and, and put something good back into the world. And so this was my way of doing that. But I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself. No, this is, I know, I, this is so exciting though. I can't wait to, this Craigslist confessional is just such a cool thing. So cool. Yeah. The idea in and of itself, I was like, this might work, but I thought, okay, in theory, it sounds like it might work, but let me test it out. And then when it actually, you know, hit a nerve and I saw that people were responding to it, I thought, okay, I need to sit down and talk to people. And when I did, you know, I heard some really, truly fantastic stories about things that people go through, you know, what it means to be human in this day and age. And it ran the gamut from, you know, people having more mundane issues like relationship problems and divorce and infidelity and my kids are mean to me and I'm overwhelmed because, you know, I don't like school or something like that, you know, things that are a little bit more day to day to more Mm -hmm. serious topics. And that's really what the heart of the project is, is this ability to delve into these marginalized voices and narratives that as a society, we spend so much time and energy just kind of brushing Mm -hmm. to the side because they're not easy to talk about, you know, like talking about alcoholism or talking about divorce or addiction or talking about um, race and racism. We're going through that Mm -hmm. right now is not Mm -hmm. easy. Anti-Semitism we're going through that right now is not easy. So collecting voices and stories from people, you know, going back six years ago now who have gone through something like that, especially now it feels like very germane, right? It feels like, wow, okay. I can't believe that we're having these conversations because there are people who have been sharing these stories for years and I'm glad that we're, you know, they're getting their moment in the sun. No, it's, it's amazing. So when you first, so this was six years ago. So when you went into doing this, like, well, I guess first, do you have any background in like therapy or social work? Like, do you see yourself as almost like a therapist to them? No, none at all. I have no background in therapy. I have no background. I have no education in therapy at all. And the heart of this project is not to provide advice or to provide Mm -hmm. any sort of therapy to people. It's just to listen to them. Listen. Yeah, yeah, right. So to like give them a space where they can share and say anything that they'd like to say without feeling that they're being judged or without feeling that their words might get back to somebody that they know. You know how gossip is, right? You say something in confidence to somebody and then the next day, you know, your like best friend is giving you the stink eye because it's gotten back to them. Mm -hmm. So you don't want that, especially in like very intense cases where the secret shared is big and life potentially life altering. Mm -hmm. People are afraid to have those conversations with their loved ones or with 
their friends and sometimes even with their actual therapists. And so I get a lot of the stuff that nobody wants to talk about. And I just listen to them. I don't do any of the, okay, you know, well, this is what I would do. No advice. So you don't respond. So you're, you're listening. So you don't respond and, and, or, I mean, I guess do you respond, but you're not responding with advice or guidance or anything. No. Yeah. I emote, you know, like if somebody's saying something, emotional and sad. I mean, I, I cry with people and I hold their hands and I tell them really terrible what happened to you, but I don't tell them how to fix their lives because people don't really want that. They just want to be heard. You know, they want to get things off their chest and they want to say, Hey, this is what happened. And it was really, really bad. And I kind of want to hear myself talk about it so I can have some distance from what happened and I can maybe feel a little bit better about it. And they don't, a lot of people don't have a space where they can do that or a person they can do that with. Or a person. And so it's so interesting because so these people reached, you know, six years ago, reached out to you once you put that ad out there and they don't, they don't, I mean, it's anonymous. I mean, they don't know you. So you're then, but you end up meeting with them obviously in person, it sounds like, or or some of the times, how do they, it's so interesting that right away they feel like you're someone they can trust because they don't know you could share the story, right? Right. Like, and so, who, who kind it? Right. So, so the ad is, I don't know if you've been on Craigslist or have ever posted anything on it, but what I is have, it? a while ago, but yes. Yeah. So it scrambles your emails. You probably right. know it, right? right? So it's not, your email would never go to the person that you've sent it to. It, it'll come back as like a jumble of numbers and letters and right. stuff. So yeah. That kind of provides like an extra layer of anonymity. Mm-hmm. And then I always initially did not give the option to speak on the phone. But when the project took off and then eventually became a quartz column, um, it the audience for it really exploded. And so instead of having just that one ad in, in DC, which is where I had initially posted it, it became more like, you know, people from all over the country and sometimes from outside of the U S reading it and saying, Hey, can I share my story, you know, with you about whatever the topic might've been. And so it started becoming more of, a phone conversation um, after a couple of years of just listening and meeting people in in person. Um, And when I started meeting with them initially, the idea was always just, okay, let's just, I'll, I'll be a listener. And that's all it is. And then I started hearing the same phrase come up, different variations of it throughout each conversation of, well, you know, I hope that by sharing my story and what happened to me or my experience with, you know, divorce or my experience, whatever, um, I can help somebody else who might be going through something similar, not feel so, Mm -hmm. you know, sad or ashamed or stigmatized or whatever it is that person might be feeling. And I started hearing this so much and it became kind of like the pay it forward phenomenon, right? Where people Mm -hmm. wanted to, I don't know if you've watched that movie, but it's always about like, if a, if a kindness is done on to you, you want to pass that on to somebody else, right, you know, right. like you're in line at the supermarket and you like buy the ice cream for the person next to you because somebody in front of you did the same thing. It's like yes. a chain of, of kindness. Right. So people were saying, I'd like to do the same thing and pass on my experience and hopefully it will help somebody else. Ultimately, what I decided to do was to ask permission with the people I was meeting if it would be okay to write about their stories with the hopes of one day publishing them. And I had, again, not a writer, not a therapist, no background in any of this, just a listener on Craigslist. And I 
started asking people and by and large, the vast majority, I think there was maybe one person, but the vast majority were like, absolutely, this is, you know, just anonymize me. So I don't obviously use real names or, you know, identifying details. So if somebody says like, hey, can you please not include this? I obviously don't. Um, But I anonymize it and, and publish these stories. And that was the goal. But for the first like two years, three years, two, over two years, it was just me sitting across the table from somebody and listening. Um, and then eventually the, the opportunity um, came along to, to put these stories together into a book. And so that's what you, what you read, but um, right. a long road to getting to this point. Yeah. It's, I mean, how, what a cool, like to even think to do this and that meaning six years ago, when you put that ad out there and then to have so many people respond, that just shows you how people, so many people, and and granted, I don't know every single story that's been told to you, but so many people just want to have like someone that's not going to judge them and just listen. Like that shows you how many people out there just need that. Yeah. It's like, you're doing, oh my God, it's. It's powerful. So what what would you say is maybe the most or one of the one of the most common uh, themes or topics that you've heard throughout all the stories you've you've heard and compiled over the last six years? Is it divorce? Is it like what is the could you say even a top three? Um, I would say relationship issues, whichever, whichever shape they might take, whether it be infidelity and relationships or, um, unhappiness with one's spouse or divorce or, uh, disagreements on how to raise the kids or disciplining them differently. So I'd say definitely parenting slash relationships would be one big category. Um, Anything related to identity, I hear a lot about too. So I hear a lot of stories from people who are in the LGBTQIA community, mm-hmm. um, people who want to talk about uh, race, their experiences with race and racism. Um, I hear a lot from people who are immigrants. I'm an immigrant myself, so I hear a lot mm-hmm. of stories of immigration, people who have taken huge risks to come and live in this country. Um, and then that crucible of the immigrant experience kind of getting to them and that realization that, you know, the grass is not always greener and that sense of kind of loss, you know, in, in, right. in moving from one home to another, to a new home. Um, and then as a third category, I'd probably say I hear a lot about grief, um, yeah. just people who have lost something in their lives and not necessarily death related, you know, a lot of people who have either just kind of, you know, lost a friend or, mm-hmm. um, in the wider sense of loss, if you know what right. I mean, you know, right. I, like not just, not just death, but a, a friendship that, that ends up, um, I was gonna say dying, but, that, but like a friendship yeah. that ends, that ends. Yeah, that ends or, or people moving in separate directions or uh, lots of, you know, like illness related things and that crisis that comes along with, you know, coming face to face with um, somebody that you love being unwell. So lots of, mm-hmm. I don't want to make it sound like it's a, 
a list of like very heavy topics because it's not always that, you know, a lot of people have like very positive experiences. Yeah. That they want to share. But a lot of it too, is just things that like, you know, you don't, people don't know where to put it. They don't know Mm -hmm. whom to talk to about. So they seek out this anonymous stranger from a, from an ad and they're like, here, can you hold this for me for a little bit? You know, and I'm happy to do that for them. Well, and it's so interesting when you, when you say this just dawned on me, sometimes it is easier to talk to someone you don't know where you don't know. Well, you know, I feel like you hear stories where, you know, you're in the line at the grocery, you're waiting for at the deli counter and you start like, it's happened to me before where someone just starts chatting and they're telling me things they don't know me, but sometimes it feels like a safer place, a safer space. Yeah. No, that's no, that's exactly right. And that instinct, I think, is in each and every one of us to be more willing to trust the stranger with something that is a little bit heavier or that you haven't quite processed your on your own yet, uh, yeah. than to trust somebody that we know well. And I think that right. there are myriad reasons that happens. You know, you just don't really know how people are going to respond to it. You don't want to carry that. You know, you don't want them to see you differently. You don't want to be ashamed for having shared something. And I'm sure like as we're talking, there's probably something that's jumping to mind to you, right? right? Experience or whatever that you're thinking about right now. They'd be like, yeah, I oh, could yeah. probably never tell like my parents or my right. friends about this thing. And that is exactly the thing that people talk to me about. That people. Do. So would you say if you could... Uh, you know, to give a percentage, but like are it, the majority of the, the topics, the stories that people um, talk to you about, would you say the majority of them are heavier or would you say it's pretty even split of like lighter, heavier, or is it just, it's just really a mixed bag? I think that, um, you know, again, like think about what, whatever it is that you're thinking right now, right. it's probably not going to be like, yeah, I had this amazing experience with XYZ <laughs> the other day, right? It's probably something a little bit darker. So right. I would say the vast majority of the stories that I hear are darker. But that said, they're not like sad ending stories. You know what I mean? They're they're uplifting in that the people who share them with me have are alive to share them with me. So they have survived these experiences and they are thriving through their everyday lives enough to be able to have that, you know, presence of mind to say, okay, I want to, I'm ready. I'm in a place where I can share this with somebody else, with another person. So I think that they are, they're inspiring as well, even though, you know, they're not about wonderful things happening to people. Mm -hmm. The lesson that you learn the hard way is that, bad things happen to good people every day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some of us don't really want to be reminded of that. But I think it's important, especially in times like these where you feel like everybody's kind of holding their breath and wondering what's going to happen with <laughs> humanity. Right, right. There's right. a virus and there's a revolution and it feels like everything is just yeah. trending in such a dark place. Everybody's mm-hmm. kind of like looking around, looking for that human connection wondering hey like is there anybody who who out there we raise show of hands who out there is feeling like everything's going to shit you know right like who's like did did the country just go to hell in a handbag because i think it did yeah (laughs) right like we're all kind of looking around holding our breaths waiting to find that connection with somebody else who's thinking the same thing or feeling the same thing and these stories bring that connection to the forefront, that humanity of people who 
all share something and it might not be, you know, you probably read some of these stories and felt, um, you know, I, I, I've never experienced that, but I bet you could probably read through, um, the feelings that the people were experiencing in those given moments and feel Mm -hmm. yourself deeply connecting to them because there's really nothing new under the sun, right? Like we all experience at some point in our lives, loss or Mm -hmm. hurt or, you know, something along those lines and so I feel like bringing that to the forefront um does the utility it connects us it does and do you feel that most people that come to you if it is you know like a harder time are they do you feel most people have already processed it or or are in a better place or do sometimes people come to you while they're in the thick of it or is it typically after the fact you know, it's about 50-50, I would say. Yeah. And and maybe like I'd throw in 1% of people who are like thinking about doing something or want to make a decision mm-hmm. or want to make a change in their lives and they just need somebody to kind of look at them and be like, do it, right? So they, right. they right. come to me hoping that I'll do that. And of course I don't, um, but it it is kind of fantastic to hear those stories of people who are just like on the verge of making a huge decision or a huge change. So it's very, those are the cooler stories because you feel like there's so much potential, but I would say the majority of people are either in a place where they're just in the thick of it, going through something. They don't have any distance because they're in the eye of the storm. They don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen and they just need somebody or a place like a dark room to go and be on the phone and just kind of talk things out. Um, and and then the other half is probably people who are like doing a retrospective and looking at what they've gone through and being like, okay, that was, that was a lot. So what if someone does though, say to you, what would you do or asks you for advice? Do you just say like, I'm not, I'm not like, you can't respond and you just, you can't, you won't do that or. Um, No, I mean, you know, you and I are talking and if I shared with you something that I was going through, be like, what would you do? Would you be like, no, I can't tell you. No, you'd be like, all right, you know, what I do, but I'm also like a random person that you met on a Craigslist ad. So I answer, you know, as a friend and I say, listen, I, I'm not a therapist. And I disclose that on the ad too. I'm not a therapist. I don't have a background in psychiatry, psychology, therapy. I, I, you know, I'm trained as a lawyer. I worked as a lobbyist. I don't know anything about you except what you've just shared with me. So if you want me to tell you what I would do if I were in your shoes, I'm happy to tell you, friend, but take that with a huge grain of salt. Right. right? Given my- You don't know anything else about that. Yeah. yeah. I, I know what you've told me. And if it helps you at all to hear what I'm thinking- I'm not going to withhold that from you, but I have to be honest, Julie, most people don't do that. They don't really, yeah, they don't want to know what you think. They're not interested in that. They want to, because they already know what they need to do, or they already know how they feel. They just need a place to verbalize that, you know? Right. Right. Wow. So could you share, I mean, I know people need to buy your book and read it, but could you share like one of your like most favorite stories over the last six years? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard to pick because I obviously feel very, I feel very emotionally invested in in people's lives and the stories that they share with me. And I wish the best for everybody that said, I meet with people one time and I don't have that, you know, luxury of continuity. I don't have the ability Mm -hmm. to 
see where they've ended up. You know, it's just a one-time anonymous meeting. But there mm-hmm. have been a couple of exceptions to that. And so I'll share one of the exceptions. Oh, um, back in, 20, I want to say the beginning of 2015, I met with uh, this gentleman who was my, about my dad's age, who must have been early 70s at the time, who had just lost his wife. And um, she had been an alcoholic and she died from complications due to her alcoholism. And um, his name is Henry. Henry was, I met him at a Starbucks across the street from where I lived at the time in DC. And Henry was Mm -hmm. such a lovely, dear person and obviously going through so much grief and sadness. And we spoke for about two and a half hours and he needed Mm -hmm. to run after that because he had, how cute, had a poker night with his buddies set up so they had all kind of like wanted to support him and they were setting up these little you know things that he could go to to get his mind off of things and um so we spoke about his wife and and how difficult it had been to be her caretaker and try to get her into rehab and all this kind of ups and downs of being a loved one to somebody who you know who's an addict Mm -hmm. and um And then we kept in touch, which very seldom happens. And um, he initiated it, of course. He wanted to, um, you know, just say hey every once in a while, which was fine. And then um, when I moved, my husband and I moved to New York, I wrote him an email. I said, hey, Henry, I'd like to just meet up one more time and say goodbye because I'm moving to New York. And so we met again. And he brought me this I Love New York t-shirt that that had been his wife's that they had bought after uh, 9-11. And he said, this is my wife's. I'd like for you to have it since you're moving to New York, which, of course, melted my heart. Oh, I have chills. Yeah, he's just the best person. And then, you know, he was trying to rebuild after that and he needed, he sold the home that they shared and he moved back to um, his city where he grew up and, um, and which is New Orleans. And he, mm-hmm. over the years, you know, when he let us know that he moved to New Orleans, he always extended the invitation like for me and Alex to go visit him. Oh. And then one day I was on the phone with my best friend and we were talking about how we hadn't seen each other in forever. And an email from Henry just unexpectedly pops up in my inbox and I look at it and he ends it with, so when are y'all coming to New Orleans? And I, I was on the phone with my best friend and I said, Bean, we're going to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It felt like kismet, you know, like it was meant to be. Oh my God. Uh, Yes. So we went to New Orleans and we stayed with Henry for a week. It was my best Mm. friend and I, and we had the best time, the time of our lives. Henry was just the consummate host and so nice and made us feel so comfortable and showed us around his city. And it was such a good time. So we made a promise that we were going to do it every year. And so we've been to New Orleans every Easter since 2017. Um, Yeah. And we have, we had plans to go obviously this year, but, but then COVID happened. Uh, But last year I went with, I took Alex, my husband and our son who was eight months old at the time. And so we met the whole family and um, I have a photo, which is the cutest little photo of Alex, of uh, Ronan and Henry sitting um, at a restaurant and, and Henry's holding him and Ronan's just Oh my, I could cry. This is so special. Yeah, Yeah, it really I mean, that's really cool. Like that is a, that was a 
complete stranger yeah. that, I mean, so you're, so I was going to ask you, but I think you answered it a couple minutes ago. It doesn't happen often where you keep up, where you keep in touch with the person who you, you hear the story from. Yeah, no, it does not happen okay. often at all. This is definitely one, a, a, a big anomaly, but Henry, and there's another story um, included in, in the book and it's from Edie. And um, I also keep in touch with her. And Zara as well, I keep in touch with her. But these are, I think, like the only, there's three or four people out of 300 that I've met with. um, How many have you met with? Over 300. Oh my gosh. That's, and in the book, there's 41? There's 40, yeah. 40, I don't know, I said 41, random, but 40. Um, Okay, so now are you currently still meeting with, are you meeting with people still? Yeah, I'm still, I do this full time. It's, you know, my job. So I, yeah. uh, I try to do it as much as I can. Um, it's mm-hmm. a little bit, it's become complicated, obviously, because, right. um, you know, with COVID and everything, um, our toddlers home, it's hard to right. schedule around that. Um, I think people are really going through a hard time. So I'm trying to kind of meet the demand um, and, and be there as a listener as much as I can. But I think that this is something that I'm going to keep doing likely for the rest of my life for as long as you know people want uh want to be heard I'm here to listen and uh, it's really life-changing yeah it it really has been life-changing yeah do people find I usually at the end ask where to find it but can people so is it do you do you still post it as a Craigslist ad or they go to your website and 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 get in touch yeah. with you or how would you can, yeah you yeah. can go to craigslistconfessional.com and uh there's you know you can write me through the website i don't post the ad i haven't uh, it's been a really right. long time i think the ad was only up for about uh maybe even less than two years um oh, okay. as i mentioned once the once the column started being published right. Right. people were just you know learning from it from there so they right, right yeah they would just reach out through that but um i yeah i no longer post the ad because actually sadly wow. craigslist has taken down their personal section so oh i didn't know that yeah oh, yeah um, yeah wow, okay oh my god so what would you say for you know you've heard 300 stories now what would you say because i imagine i mean you said it's life-changing how what if, what's something you've learned about yourself from having all these conversations? Like, is there anything that stands out or anything that's really shifted your perspective on things? Yeah, I think that probably before with, you know, when meeting people, I was probably a little bit more, I would say reactionary or dismissive. Whereas if, if Mm -hmm. I felt wronged or if I felt that somebody was acting, you know, inappropriately or was saying something that struck me as you know not right or ignorant or whatever I my knee-jerk reaction would be to immediately kind of like dismiss and and denigrate and be like that's not right um I think from hearing all of these stories about people and what what they go through and what informs them and the experiences and lives that they've led and childhoods and how they've been parented and how they are as parents, you know, there's so many, it's so multifactorial why people are Mm -hmm. the way that they are, that my ultimate lesson from this has been just suspending judgment. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's hard to do that. And I think it takes a lot of practice, but it's, uh, um, 
an exercise in radical empathy. It's an exercise in understanding that everybody has a burden that they carry that you likely know nothing about, uh, mm-hmm. that they likely don't share with people, um, you know, and that coming at every person from a place of wanting to empathize and understand them and wanting to make them feel seen, heard, and not judged is the best way to build these bridges of interconnection um, that we are wanting to build, especially in times like these. Times like these. That's amazing, you know, because it's so interesting when you said that, you know, you've really learned how to, you know, not that you were, you know, I'm sure you were not a judgmental person to begin with, but when you said that, I was like, well, I don't think of myself as a judgmental person at all. I really don't. But do you feel that people... um, can be judgmental without knowing they're being judged without knowing they're being judgmental. Absolutely. I think that, I think that people don't come at each other from a perspective of, Oh, I want this person to feel judged or I want this person to feel that I don't like them. But I think that it's really, you know, as humans, we are, trained to look at micro responses in each other's faces and so even when somebody's demeanor slightly changes or they their eyes look away or something we register that we register judgment almost immediately even though it's maybe not a conscious response most times and so I feel like learning to and I again like I don't think people are pardon my French, judgmental assholes, right? I don't want to make it sound like we're all going around making life hell for each other. But I think what it is, is wanting to, to the first foot foot forward to be, uh, hey, whatever you share with me, this is a safe space and I'm not going to make you feel that you should have regretted sharing that with me, right? And I don't, I didn't always do that. Um, nice. because it wasn't my priority. It wasn't my, on my radar, you know, it wasn't something right. that I had learned from listening to all of these stories. That is something that can really change the core mm. of a conversation, the heart of a conversation. Um, mm. so now with that as a priority, I think that it almost immediately changes the quality of conversation and the depth that I have with people yes. because it makes them feel that they can go there and not feel regret afterwards. Right. It's, you know, so I'm, I'm recent. Well, yeah, I guess recently, recently divorced. And when, when my, I was gonna say husband, my ex-husband and I, the first time around, we're going to maybe get separated. I remember telling some friends or who I thought were friends and they are friends. And I felt that their response was incredibly judgmental. And while they may not have intended it to be that way, that's how I perceived it. And then, you know, I started thinking a lot about there's a difference between being judgmental and being curious. Like there's a way to ask a question that doesn't, you know, and I think, like you said, it takes practice. It, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, but it's, it's, that's, I love that. That's what you've taken, like one of the main things you've taken away from all this. Cause I think it's, especially like you said, times like now, I mean, more than ever to not have a judgmental stance. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, like I you said, that. your friends probably were not wanting to come from a place of making you feel like you had done something wrong, or maybe like right. you weren't in on something that they all saw all along, or right. you were the last to the party. And they're like, well, okay, whatever it right. is that, that you registered, it probably wasn't coming from a place of them wanting to hurt you or make you feel that way. But it's right. just a fact of humanity where I, we just it's impossible to know what the other person Mm -hmm. is going through. You, Mm -hmm. you went through a divorce. Who knows if if any of them had at that point, who knows if they knew how to approach it in a way that was sensitive to what you were going through. And they probably didn't really even give a second thought to responding the way that they did because they don't, 
you don't have that sensitivity unless you've gone through it yourself, unless you know what to say or how to think about it. You just, you know, you don't, you don't think about it. And I think that could end up unintentionally hurting somebody else's feelings. But when you take that step back and pause and think, you know, I'm going to be careful about how I react here because I think this is, you know, this could hurt Julie or it could make an impression on her. He can, can make her feel a certain way then I think that really can make an impact in somebody else and the yeah. way they feel they're received. I feel like you should maybe get it like a certification in some sort of therapy because you're yeah. very inspirational. <laughs> you so kind. Thank you so much. I, I no, really. That. Yeah, no, you're, it's so fun talking to you. So I, the last section of my podcast, I always do this quick fire round, which you may or may not know about where I ask you fun, you know, random questions that have nothing to do with what we just talked about, even okay. though I want to you talking about what we were talking about because I'm so like, I'm so inspired and interested, but um, I want to get this last portion in. So first thing that comes to mind, if you could have drinks or dinner or lunch or brunch or whatever with anyone living or dead, who would it be? Um, I'm a huge Golden Girls fan. So mm. Betty White. Mm, yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. I'm an old soul. I don't, do you know who Betty White is? Yeah, no, no, I do not. I'm not like, I'm not like 12. No, <laughs> no I do. No, I love that. Um, if you, if someone were to play you in a movie, who would it be? Oh, like a movie made about your life. Oh gosh, that's really hard. Um, <laughs> nobody comes to mind. I'm blanking no. on this. I know sometimes people are like, well, this person, sometimes people tell me I look like this person or our mannerisms are similar or we talk similarly or I just love this person. So I guess who's your favorite actress? <laughs> um, I, I really like Natalie Portman. I think she's really oh. deliberate about her craft and she comes at it from a place of like wanting to be studious and, and honest to the roles that she's portraying. So I feel like she might do a good job. I don't know. Yeah. The first person who came to mind. I love her. No, I love that. Um, if you, if there was an airplane outside of where you were and it wasn't COVID and it was safe to travel and all the things, where would you have it take you anywhere in the world? Oh, New Orleans. Oh, I love that. And what three things would you bring? Not people or pets. If you could just bring like three items, what would they be? Ooh. Okay, not people, not pets. Yeah, the <laughs> my first few things were like, my best friend, my husband, my kid. <laughs> <laughs> They're already there. They're already there. <laughs> um, what three things would I bring? Okay. Um, like for what, I guess I have to, can I ask a follow-up? I know. It's, I know. It's such a broad question. I guess it's more like what three things would you never want to leave your house or apartment without? Like, you know, a lot of people jump to say cell phone, whatever, but some people are like, I don't want my cell phone. Like I want, you know, three other random things. No, I definitely don't want my cell phone. Okay. Yeah. I would want, uh, I'm going to group this together. So a, a good book and my wow. notebook where I write and take notes in so that, yeah. can I do that as one or is that cheating? Totally. It's totally. Okay. I love it. Uh, definitely something to entertain my son. So probably his scooter because hashtag mom life. And if you don't have that, yeah. I'm just going to drive you crazy and it's going to yeah. be impossible to do anything else. I'm sure. Um, and then what do I use on a daily basis? This is such a good question, Julie. My God. I know, but it's sometimes it's hard to think like, well, what do I, what would I not want to go without? Like, <laughs> um, I feel like you and I have bonded about wine. So maybe. Yes. A really good glass of wine. 
Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. Someone once said a charcuterie board. I think I would just offer the wine or both. <laughs> no, or I love both. Um, yeah, or both. Or both. Um, speaking of food, though, what would your last meal on earth be? Ooh. This is super unimaginative, but every time I have a craving, it's always for this one thing. So I'm going to say French fries. <laughs> oh, yeah. So where are your favorite? Or do not, like, you like all kinds of French fries. I don't like all kinds of French fries. I've had one French fry in my whole life that has been my ideal. And I'll tell you where I had it. It was yeah. a, a super hole in the wall in Arlington, Virginia, of all places, called Whitlow's on Wilson. They they dip their fries, they dip their potatoes in something. I don't know if it's like lard or something crunchy oh. and then they deep fry them. And it's oh. the healthiest and grossest thing. This is why I don't know why this, how the sausage is made. I don't want to know because it's going to shatter my dream. But it's so unhealthy. You can see it. You can taste it. You can smell how unhealthy it is. But they're so delicious. And so, oh my, wait, I want French fries right now. They're so, they're so good. They're perfect. So, oh, I mean, okay, so French fries. I love that. Oh, I really want fries now. Okay, um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? This is a piece of advice that I always give and say to. Oh, because that's my next question. So (laughs) it's not, it's not really, so it's not really advice, but um, it's what I live on every day, which is that you can't see your reflection in running water. Um, So what that means to me is you need a little bit of stillness to, um, to be able to self-interrogate and see where you're going and what you want out of life. And, and when things are going a mile a minute, it's impossible to do that. So it's a reminder to kind of always slow down, look around, take your pulse, see what you want out of life and go deliberately in that direction. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. (laughs) So I was going to then ask you what motto or quote do you try to live by every day? Is it that? Yep. That's it. (laughs) I love that. Are you big on meditation? Because you mentioned stillness and do you meditate or no? I no, I don't meditate. I I, I kind of get asked this a lot because it's, it's a follow-up question to like listening to all of these stories is how do you emotionally process listening to, you know, bad things that happen to people or listening to like emotionally heavy burdens. And what I always say is I don't meditate, but I do like my best ideas. My clearest mind is always in the shower. So Mm I, I shower a lot because it's probably long showers be on my own. And you know, you're, it's quiet and there's that white noise of the water and it just helps you kind of delve in and let everything, you know, wash off figuratively. And it feels very like a, a nice fresh start. So, yeah, I love that. Cause I was going to say, cause you, you know, you do hear, of course there's some lighter happy moments that are shared with you, but also a lot of darker, heavier. And so it's kind of like when, um, you know, if I know you're not a therapist, but like a therapist or a psychiatrist who hears these things every day, how do you decompress? So you shower. That's like your thing. I shower. Yeah. You shower. She's clean guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a quirky thing that like precedes you now. It's like, Oh, she showers a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's right. Exactly. Like now it's like washing hands. I mean, were people not washing hands before? Exactly. I don't know. But now, <laughs> um, no, I love that. So before we fully wrap up, tell everyone where they can follow you, where they can get your book, your website. I know you mentioned your website before, but just all that those details. 
Yeah, so um, you can go to craigslistconfessional.com where you can read some of the past stories and uh, you can get a good sense of the types of things that I hear. And you could also submit an anonymous confession if you'd like. Um, or you can follow me on Instagram at helenadeabala.com. I am not anywhere else in social. Um, I mean, yeah. I am on Twitter, but not very active. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, simonandschuster.com. Um, slash playing the ball etc we'll have all the information about the book and um uh, i think that's it <laughs> i love it well i'll link to all of this of course but um everyone go follow helena thank you so much for coming on this was such a great conversation thank you julie i appreciate you having me here and there you have it. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Helena. Definitely check out her book, Craigslist Confessional. I will link her book and how to get it below in the, um, well, depending on how you're listening to this, but in the description of the podcast. And I really hope you enjoyed it. Again, check out patreon.com slash Julie Lauren if you want to consider uh, joining that way. And of course, be sure to subscribe to hashtag no filter and leave a rating and review if you'd like. As always, thank you so much for listening and I'll be back very soon. Bye. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.